HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Broadcasting live from Roberta's in Bushwick, Brooklyn, you're listening to HeritageRadioNetwork.com. This program has been sponsored by the Hearst Ranch. At Hearst Ranch, ranch manager Cliff Garrison describes their philosophy. Raising cattle on grass is both an ancient practice and one that is standard in much of the modern world. Sometimes the old ways are the right ways. We believe that our methodology is the right one for us. For more information on their premium grass-fed beef, visit HearstRanch.com. Hello, Greenhorns. This is Severin. This is Greenhorns Radio. Radio, radio but from the farmers, of the young farmers, and uh, to the young farmers. And uh, I think this is like our 95th radio podcast. And so that's exciting. My name is Severin. I'm director of Greenhorns. And I'm joined today by Lerner from Orcas Island, Washington. Are you there? Did I say your name right? Uh, yep, you did. I'm here. Hello. Nice Are you still you. learning things about farming there, Lerner? <laughs> yeah, constantly. Um, it's a curse and a blessing. It's a lifelong learner, a lifelong learning process. Yes. Uh, how's, the, how's the weather out where you are? How's, how's life? Oh, it's been the most rain we've had in a 24-hour period, I think, this, uh, <laughs> the whole winter. Um, dumping rain all night, so um, starting to lighten up, but it's kind of refreshing. Um, it's nice to see, and uh, life is going good. I'm just having a... Uh, Do you have a lot of wet animals and soggy soggy bottoms? They are just kind of staying under cover and avoiding <laughs> going out. Um, you know, they've got their dry hay and um, other food and just dry space, and they're just pretty much... Staying out of sight. Who <laughs> um, <clears throat> yeah. can blame them? Yeah, no, so tell us, tell those of us who are not from the magical world of the San Juan Islands that are <laughs> made accessible by fabulous bronze-handled ferry boats that are massively oversized <laughs> in the middle of a volcanic um, uh, bay. Can you tell people about your region and its ma- majesty? Yeah. Uh, is it is a magical place, and the San Juan Islands are uh, consist of four main islands, and it's it's just a really picturesque place. I've traveled a lot around um, the world, mostly like kind of tropical areas where 
you know, those are really beautiful as well. But I always thought, like, while I was traveling, wow, like, I'm really already living in, like, the most beautiful place in the world. So, you know, I was happy to come come back here and settle down. Um, we have... So where did you uh, come from when you had all those travels and you decided to come there? Where were you coming from? Well, I grew up in Seattle, but my travels took me to Hawaii, Mexico, Costa Rica. Um, I went to Mexico twice for for uh, three or more, three or four months trips. And um, you know, and so in those places, presumably you were eating avocados. Oh yeah, avocados. Sometimes I lived off of avocados um, <laughs> and coconuts and mangoes. It's great for a while. I think I'm a Northwest person, but um, but you know, really good to get get another perspective and a you know a hit of the tropical life and tropical food. Um, and I've been I've been settled. So, what's the most what's the most exotic fruit that you can grow in the climate of the Pacific Northwest? Most exotic. Um, I would say probably. Uh, hey, can you hear me? Yeah, yeah. Oh, you yeah. can. Okay, good. Okay. Um, Let's well, start over. Ready? I'm going to ask a question. Can okay. You, but talk, will you talk a little louder? Because I don't know if you can hear me, but I don't hear sure. you that yeah. well. Your voice and then the is voice a will cut it off exactly. the radio. Yeah, I was hoping that it was just you, but your yeah, your voice is a little faint, but I can hear you enough, I guess. I'll try to talk louder. Okay, so here we go. Here's the question again. What kind of, what's the most exotic kind of fruit you can grow there? I would say that um, arguably the persimmon, it's, it doesn't really, it's, it's not like really a good uh, crop for here, but, uh, but they will grow here. So, um, and, uh, you know, there's, there's some other, I guess, I don't know, plums do really well here. That's probably, like, your best bet for kind of nice, juicy, fleshy fruit. I mean, they're kind of, they're kind of exotic. They're pretty, like, you know, sensual. Plums are great. So there you are uh, on the island. You took the little ferry over. You can commute back and forth to uh, the fabulous market of Seattle, but you may choose only to sell locally. And, and in fact, you do choose only to sell locally. Yes. Um, how does your How does your day look as a as a getting towards self sufficient homesteader on a paradise island near Seattle? Well, uh, how does your How does your day look? Um, you know, very seasonally. Uh, different season to season, but uh, I have milk goats, and so my first first task of the day is always get up, go take care of the goats, and um, and then I can come back and take care of my own needs for tea and breakfast and all that, and then, um, you know, this time of year, uh, I need to prune my fruit trees. I have a I have a pretty big established plum tree and an apple tree here where I'm living, a couple apple trees. Um, kind of a, uh, the homestead where I'm living at is um, 
right up next to a, a state park. There's about uh, 6,000 acres of state park, and we're the last property uh, at the end of the road. So um, right up against really this wooded area, and there's a lot of trees around. So I'm constantly kind of, kind of like uh, fighting for elbow room, you know, with the forest, and uh, got a little garden here. Um, I'm gonna, you know, probably in in a month or so, really start kind of um, working the beds up a little bit. Now it's still a little early, um, and the goats will be in milk um, shortly. I have a goat that's due. Uh, was due yesterday and no kids yet and um, and then I have two more that are that are due soon after and um, I'm actually going to be bringing a few more um, milking goats on so pretty soon it'll be like you know milking in the morning milking in the evening making cheese uh, my goal is we're going to store a lot of hard cheese this year and uh, I've been practicing the last few years to really kind of build up my skill with handling, you know, cheese making, and I feel like I'm ready to take it to the next level. So um, that's a big part of it. We've got all sorts of projects going on, like um, and I've got a root cellar idea underway. I've got um, uh, we're expanding the garden. Uh, we want to do... Uh, we're going to do some mushroom culture, and um, this is a lot of things. There's a number of kind of big projects. So um, I'll have uh, a few people living here full-time this year. And what's the advantage of growing mushrooms in the Pacific Northwest? They grow really well, and <laughs> and uh, they're delicious. So um, Wait, we're not explaining. How come they grow really well? What is it about uh, your forest region? It's really, it's actually kind of rainforest in this region, and uh, it's very humid. And so even in the summer, um, oyster mushrooms, um, you know, you do, you know, if you're really cultivating them, you might want to add additional water. But hey, Carlos, I can't hear him. Hello? Is there any way they can turn it up, or... I don't know. They're not talking to me. They're off going and eating pizza. (laughs) (laughs) Um, In Brooklyn, they have pizza. In the Orcas Island, you have mushrooms. Yeah. Um, Um, So, Lerner, what's your vision for your your farm and for your homestead and how it fits into the island that you live, and, and how does it match your goals for your life? Well, I moved to the place where I'm living now, um, I mean, I just kind of fell into my lap. I was offered this opportunity, so I came here um, about five years ago. And what this place really offers is that it, like I was saying, it's, it is butted right up against the state park. And so you really have this this edge where you've got access to this kind of wilderness area, you know, it has, it's kind of a pseudo wilderness. It's, there's not like large game animals or anything. I mean, there's, we have deer, they're kind of small. And then, um, you know, the whole area was logged like, you know, 50 years ago. And so the forest is kind of young, but it is really, it's this, it's this wild 
um, open space that can be roamed and there's, you know, you can do your kind of, uh, you can be like a, a nature lover out here and you can, you can be a wildcrafter and a forager and we also have access to the ocean and so we harvest seaweed in the summer and, um, you know, there's some shellfish, mussels, um, it's, it's really amazing, you know, to be out in this area where we have access to those things without having to get in a car and drive somewhere. And then at the same time, we also have uh, this beautiful pasture, which I lease a few acres, and uh, I'm able to bring the goats to pasture. And we're able to have a garden here and grow a lot of vegetables. And uh, we're able to have uh, electricity because we have a... Uh, there's abundant water coming from the spring, which provides us with a microhydro. And are you joined there in a, in a community of other people who are farming in a similar way? Like, what's the landscape matrix? Like on no, uh, Vashon Island, where I spend some time, there's a lot of kind of suburby, like low-density, um, kind of exurban, small-scale farming. And there's, you know, if you bike around, it's there's houses and they're on, like, two-acre lots, and people are growing little gardens, and some people are doing sheep, and some people are doing goats, and there's farm stands. Is that uh, the um, same where you are? Well, right on Orcas, there's there's a lot of that kind of starting up. There's more people with animals now. There's more people with gardens now. It's, it's really um, it's on the rise, um, but right around in my little neighborhood, I'm kind of isolated. I'm kind of in this, I'm way at the end of a road, and really like just kind of a, I'm in this little pocket where it's a little bit isolated and, you know, people have to, you have to go through. And do you like it um, like that or do you need some company? Um, I feel like in the long run, I need some company. I, I want to have, I'd rather have neighbors, you know, I want to have, I want to more live in like a kind of a village setting where there's other uh other families, you know, which are doing similar things, like right next to me, you know, that I want to have kids and I want my kids to be able to walk over. Well, this has been one of the... Play with the oh, sorry to interrupt. You know? so, so this is kind of where I'm living right now, I feel like is, um, it's great for for right now what I'm doing. And, and, you know, I may very well stay here for a really long time. I, I don't really know. But um, but for now, it's it's great for what it is. It's, a, it's like maybe a training ground. Uh, so my friend... Um, my friend Emily Oakley, she's from Oklahoma, and she she's a great talker. We've been at conferences. We've been kind of on the same conference circuit this year, which is nice, and she gives her a little shtick, uh, and essentially she says that living where she does and selling into the market she sells to, she's really, like, doesn't have any competition when it comes to organic vegetables, CSA, farmer's markets. Um, you know, they're the game in town. And so they have a very successful business. They have tremendous demand. Um, and they can sell vegetables really well. She said, man, I would trade some competition gladly just to have a little bit more uh, community. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> yeah. It's Well, yeah, I don't really, I don't really buy into the whole, you know, competition thing. I don't, I just, I feel like there's always a way you can be innovative. There's always a way you can adapt to, you know, it's like, yeah, if you're, if you want to grow cabbage and your neighbor wants to grow cabbage, uh, you know, you can fight over it all you want, but really like 
you know, one of you should just grow something different. And um, there's there's so many ways to be creative, you know, and value-added products and something, you know, there's a, there's a lot of things that are not being produced locally right now that people are purchasing. So, you know, let's just make little, uh, you know, niche markets for ourselves. And so one thing that Arcus is famous for in the wider world, and uh, I don't know if you can speak to it at all, is there's on uh, inter-island slaughterhouse that we hear about it a lot. I mean, we, mm-hmm. we, we of the other parts of the country are, are most of us who are in the meat world only familiar with your islands because you have a successful pilot project of this portable uh, mobile slaughterhouse. Could you speak a little bit about that? Yeah. Uh, we, have, we have an incredible uh, community in that we have these great organizations like uh, you know, the Lopez Island Community Land Trust, the Land Bank, you know, we have the Preservation Trust. There, there's there's a lot of people that are really involved in the community, and actually, you know, they live here. They A lot of them homestead themselves and have animals. And so there was this great push to, to develop this mobile slaughter unit um, for the islands in order to to make a lot of the locally produced meat be able to be sold in stores, and so it's USDA certified. And so it, it serves all the islands, and, you know, even people who just want to get, like, three or four animals slaughtered, uh, it's, it's really great because there's a lot of people like that. You know, maybe they're going to slaughter, you know, ten or something like that, and it wouldn't make sense for them to, to uh, have, you know, the slaughter unit come out just for them, but they can bring their animals to a bigger farm where there's a, there's a, a slaughter going on, and, and uh, they'll get served as well, and they can get their meat packed. And, and uh, certified and and all that, and so it's a little bit strange because they have to take the they come and they you know they get the meat, they do the job at the farm, they do the slaughter, and then they have to take the meat off the island over to um, Bo Edison, which is um, on the mainland, and and then after that they ha- you know it hangs for for a week or so, and then the the farmer has to then drive off the island, take the ferry over, and then go to Bo, get the meat, and then come back to the island. So it's it's kind of weird, but that's really the only way that exists for people to be able to sell uh, their meat in the store legally. So, you know, it's a really it's a really good service, and they do a really good job, and, um, you know, it just is what it is. It's we're working within the so, um, there's an island in Maine, or there's actually many islands in Maine that where people raise sheep, and then there's fabulous imagery and a lovely tradition and very picturesque um, that they load the sheep into boats and uh, motor them across the bay uh, to be well to be processed. But uh, the romance, I think, would sooner wear off on me, and certainly. Animals being transported is stressful. Animals being transported where there's floating docks and ferries and motors and movement of water and boats um, would seem to be very stressful from, just from my own projection onto the animal psyche consciousness. Mm-hmm. So it really means a lot for the island to have so reasonably and logically approached a barrier to market for the growers. Yeah, and um, yeah. it really impresses me. And you know, on Vashon, they even have a an island-wide shared shared chicken plucking and uh, kill cone set up. 
for um, on-farm poultry processing, and we just rent it out for a day. I think it's like $10 to rent it for the day and then, you know, rinse it off and send oh, it to yeah, the next yeah, person. We a, yeah, we have that actually available up here as well, yeah. Um, you have to take the ferry and go pick it up and then bring it, but, but yeah, you can you can rent it. I think the same deal, you know, like 10 bucks or something, so really nice. So your region is awesome. It's beautiful. It's abundant. There's a really supportive local food system. What are the challenges? And um, if people are interested to try and locate there, um, what are some of the resources they should look to? I know about the school in Wigby. Um, people, what was your question? Point some, point some fingers in some directions for more information. Um, for more information for, for becoming a young farmer or for getting their food? What was Sorry, for becoming a young farmer, sorry, we're actually, this is, um, there are some people who are just consumers who listen to this radio show, but in general, our okay. guidance is for farmers. <laughs> if there's okay. people who are aspiring to farm in your region, where yeah. would you point them? Um, well, um, I, would, I would point people to um, some of the organizations I mentioned. We have an agricultural resources committee, um, which would be a good local you know, group there to to talk to um, because they they're well connected with um, they're aware you know of all the farms on the island. Um, there's also uh, there's people like like me who are very connected and who um, do a lot of work in the community. With I, I'm the director of, a, of an organization called Food Masters, and um, so we do a lot of classes and a lot of connecting with uh, with farmers and and also part of the mission is to help um, help connect farmers with land so um, so I would point people to me <laughs> in addition to in addition to some other you know other local organizations but I you know I could um, you know pretty much put people in touch um, so there you have it, a report from Orcus. <laughs> I only heard about half of what you said, but I look forward to talking to you more at some better connection in the future times. And I thank you so much, Learner, for being on the show. Okay, thanks. How do, oh, wait, one last thing. How do people find you if they want to find you on the Internet? Is the link? Oh, yeah, you gave us your link. Hey, if you want to find him, he's linked off of the podcast radio thing. Everything is easy much less difficult than I thought. And while we're here, and I forgot I should say, this is Greenhorn Radio for Young Farmers by Young Farmers, and we have a Greenhorn event coming up in um, Rhode Island, which is also an island. Well, also, there's some islands, and then there's some just abutting of the ocean parks. And But the Farm Hack event is in Providence, and uh, it's in partnership with RISD and the Little City Growers Cooperative, and Greenhorn is a nationally-